All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, so uh, I'm Dave Nelson. Uh, if you're visiting today or new and uh, pastor here and super excited about this message, we are going into some very, very practical stuff here. And I, this is something that's been very, very helpful for me. It's been super helpful for my marriage with Susie. And so let me just ask real quick, how many of you in here have actually taken that Myers-Briggs personality test? How many of you take? Oh, wow. Quite a few. How many of you have not taken it? All right. Well, I'll, did you, you all raise your hand both times? I look like everybody both times. Um, okay, I, I, I really want to encourage you. Um, if you have never taken the Myers-Briggs, there are other personality tests as well, but to take something of this nature, it's fascinating. The first time I ever took this, I was in a class in college, and I had never heard of anything like this before. You know, I fill out this form, I answer all these questions. They give me the result, and I'm sitting in my desk in, in, in the classroom, and I start reading it, and I just, I go like this. And I'm like, how do you know this about me? Because it's fascinating, the stuff that you can learn about yourself. And then what that does is it helps you to give yourself a little bit of grace because you just realize, wow, this is me. And then when you get in a relationship with somebody else, like your wife or your husband or your coworkers, and you discover who they are, it's super, super helpful. And here's one of the things you realize. We are very different. So I did a wedding yesterday up in Midway, and uh, this couple, as I did the premarital, wow, we're talking different. And I always tell couples this, I say this a lot at weddings, it's true that opposites attract, right? I mean, there's something about us that loves that person that's different than us, and it's all romantic, and oh, it's a mystery, and it's so, we're going to complete each other. And then you get married and you go, you know, that's not as cute as it used to be. <laughs> and all of us who are married know that, and it becomes hard. And so, I, in fact, I was talking to one of our people this morning who, who, who's on our stage crew, and, uh, and right now, their husband is totally into rock. It's like he's, he, while, while he was a dad and his kids were little, right, he, he was with them and he didn't get to do the things he wants to do, so now he's just going to rock concert after rock concert after rock concert, and she's like, I know Def Leppard's a good drummer, you know, but she's just not into it. And she said, they're so different that when he's on a business trip, he'll actually go to Disneyland by himself. And her quote was, that's a lot of money to spend to be lonely. <laughs> so completely different. So here's one thing you know. In every relationship, you will not, you will not get close to another person without having to deal with each other's differences. You can't do it. And we have different things. We have person different personalities, and then there's different race, and there's different economic status. There's different habits. There's different values. Every time you connect yourself with another human being, it's different. So here's what's interesting, though, when you observe human behavior, that almost every time we run into somebody and that we're different than them, instead of diving into those people who are different, we usually avoid them. <laughs> Why is that? Why is it that in, in a marriage that started off so romantic that after you have to spend time with them for a while, the differences between you start to pull you apart? And, and I just thought there's a few, there's a couple reasons. And first of all, it's because we have our way. 
and we actually like our way. Our way is comfortable. Our way, the reason we're doing it that way is because it's what brings pleasure to us. And so it's hard. Like, why would I want to spend time with somebody else when their way is not the right way? <laughs> and that's how we are. You're wrong. You do, it doesn't work for me. It's frustrating. It's uncomfortable. And then sometimes, on the flip side, we don't want to hang out with people who are different than us because, can we just be honest, it feels, don't you, you feel stupid. <laughs> Have you ever been in a situation where you're in a conversation and the topic of conversation you know nothing about? Yeah, I see the heads. Like, what do you want to do? Like, say anything? No. <laughs> right? You just want to go get a drink and get away from that. Or when you're going to engage in an activity and you're not good at it at all. Like, those poor, you know, remember gym class? Right? And some of you, it's like, there's a sport and half of you are like me, are so excited. And then the other half are going, you're not going to make me go out there and do that, are you? And then we flip it around and then there's dancing, right? And the guy's like, I'm not getting on that dance floor. And then other people love to dance. We are so different. But we don't like feeling stupid. We don't like feeling inadequate. Because the truth is, you guys, when we're different from each other, we judge each other. We just do. And so there's nothing worse than showing up as you are and finding that I'm not being accepted. I'm, the, I, I'm not approved. I don't belong. And every human being needs to know, every one of you, I don't care how successful you are, I don't care what you've gone through in your life, at your core, humans need to know that I'm approved, that I'm validated in who I am. And so we pe seek out people who are like us and make us feel right. But I'm just going to be honest with you again. You cannot live functionally well in this world if you can't love people who are different than you. You cannot have a good marriage. You cannot have a good work environment. We cannot have a flourishing church if we're not going to love the people here who are different than us. And we will not experience the very will of God. Because God's will, as we went through this summer, is to bring all of us together. So, we're doing this series, and it's called Note to Self. Your understanding your role in healthy relationships. So if you can't be next to another human being, if you can't have a relationship with somebody who's not different than you, then you and I have to understand what's our role. And so today, I've titled this one, You Need to Start Comparing Yourself. Now, Susie, even when I told her that, she goes, wait, no, because that phrase is always what? Stop comparing yourself. <laughs> but when we say stop comparing ourselves, what we're, what we're saying is don't get your value based on judging yourself to other people. Don't do that. Stop comparing yourself. But that's when you're thinking about yourself. Here's my challenge to you. I want you and I to start comparing ourselves. I want us to actually look at each other and seeing the differences in the people around us and comparing us not in value, but in uniqueness. Let's start seeing the differences in each other and see why God has done that. So before I jump in, here's what I want you to do. My guess is this person's already in your mind, but I want you to think about who, what relationship are you in right now? This could be in your home. This could be at your workplace. This could be your extended family. 
could be, I don't care, your neighborhood, wherever. What relationship right now is suffering because that person is different than you? Who is it? And I'm just going to pray for us before we jump in. And then I hear, and again, let me, let me just say what's going to happen. For the next 25 minutes as I give you this message, you know what's going to happen? God is alive and he's going to be speaking. He's going to be speaking. Thoughts are going to come into your head. Pay attention to those thoughts. God says that I give you my spirit so you can know my thoughts. All right? So let's pray and let's ask God to speak to us today about this issue of comparing ourselves to each other. Jesus, we're, we're, even in this room right now, we're sitting next to people that we love, but we're so different then. And we're also sitting apart from other people because we didn't want to sit next to them because we're different than them. I'm asking, in this place today, would you show us why it is so important that we understand how to love people who are different than we are? And we just ask your word your, from Scripture, and I ask that your spirit would speak words, God, because we want marriages that work. We want to have great relationships with our kids. We want to be able to get along with our coworkers and our boss. Would you show us today why this is such an important issue to you because you are all about relationships? Help us to understand why it is that we have to live with people who are so different than us and what's beautiful about that. I just ask that you'd accomplish your will in that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you have your programs, go ahead and pull those out, and we will start to fill in these sections. So here's the first thing. Note to self, okay? And you guys know all that. You just put up little sticky notes. You got your little things. Don't forget this. That's all we're saying. Don't forget this, okay? So here's the first thing I want to talk about. Three reminders. Three reminders. Here's the first one. They are not like me by God's design. The first thing you need to do, hey, note to self, remember this. This person isn't like me because God made them that way. Psalm 139, 13 says this. For you, God, created, you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And that is just a truth. It's a beautiful truth. I, can I just say, this is one of the most important truths that you need to believe for yourself. Because that's what David, the, the King David, when he was writing this, he was reminding himself, God, you created me. But we need to remember that that means he created everybody. And so your personality, this Myers-Briggs thing, I have a good friend who actually has his PhD in this stuff. He, he understands it at such a beautiful level. It's fascinating. And one of the things he says is, yes, some things can change as you mature and grow, but your Myers-Briggs will never change because you are hardwired to have preferences and you will have those the rest of your life. Guess what? You didn't come out of the womb and ask for a personality type. You didn't get to do that. <laughs> God designed you that way, and God designed your spouse that way, and God designed your coworker that way, and God designed your kids that way. Your race, who got to choose? None of us. That was God, your physical form. This is what I got. Now, we can do better and worse with this, right? But this physical ability, God, your gifts and your passions, God. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. It says there are different kinds of gifts, 
but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And verse 11 says, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Note to self, note to self, people are different than you because God designed them that way. Our kids are perfect at this. You guys know my kids, Mariah and Ashlyn, if you don't know them, I have Neapolitan kids. I got a redhead and then a like pure white blonde and then a brown. I got, I got Neapolitan. But not just in their hair color are they different. They are so completely different. Mariah is a dancer and a singer and an actor and Ashlyn's a soccer player and Caleb's an artist. And, and I'm like, what? And, it, it, and they all grew up in our home. That why? Because God designed them that way. The person that you're living with, the person you're working with that's bugging you Part of the reason they're bugging you is because God made them that way. (laughs) Note to self, okay? Second one, they are not like me by cultural influence. They're not like me because of cultural influence. In in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 22, it's not up on the screen, but this is a fascinating passage where Paul is just, he wants to help everybody he knows get closer to God and to know Jesus. So he says this, he goes, even though I'm a free man, with no master, I've become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. He says, when I was with the Jews, I lived like the Jews to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I lived under the law, even though I'm not subject to the law. I did this to bring to those to Christ who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ, but I don't ignore the law of God. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Now, the real purpose of this is is Paul's just helping us to see. It's like, but but he wants every person, no matter who they are, to come into a relationship with Jesus, and that's us here at K2. But what's interesting, what is Paul saying in this? He's saying, they're not like me. (laughs) They're not like me, but here's what Paul's saying but it's not about me. They're not like me, but it's not about me. Paul wasn't going to the Jews and those under the law and then the Gentiles and then the weak and trying to get them to be like him. No, he goes, it's not about me. What's it about? It's about us. It's about us. And then I think he says, they're not like me, so I will actually be like them. Okay, now think about that. Think about the person who's in your mind. How many of you are trying to get your spouse to be like you? Come on, put the toilet paper roll the right way. Get it down, clean up the house, whatever. We all have our things. And Paul in the saying is going, they're not like me, they're not like me, they're not like me. I'm gonna be like them. And we need to understand, you guys, that there's many different cultural influences, right? And the biggest one is this, our home. The home that you grew up in, the home that the other person that you're struggling with grew up in, that is the number one cultural influence on your life. When I do premarital counseling with people, this is one of the biggest things we have to work through because every person is walking into a marriage with a bunch of baggage. 
And most of our baggage is coming from the years, every day, hours upon hours that you spent with your mom and dad. And guess what? Your mom and dad wasn't your spouse's mom and dad. And it's not your boss's mom and dad. And so we grow up and we're really different. For Susie and I, Man, she grew up this mountain chick in, 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 in Colorado, right? And I grew up in a blue collar, collar blue, blue collar, um, uh, I can almost talk. Um, <laughs> where did I grow up? In a blue collar, Lapeer, Michigan town where everybody worked in a factory. Very different situations. But in our home, the biggest difference that we realized was our parents parented us really differently. So guess what? When we had kids... I'm like, this is how you parent. And Susie's like, no, this is how you parent. And we're like, bam, bam, bam with conflict. Why? Because we must understand we're different because of the cultural influence that you have on your life. But it's not just our home. It's other cultures. It is small town versus city. It is Michigan where I grew up and my sister moved down to Jackson, Mississippi. And this girl who loves sports went down and realized she was supposed to wear flills and doilies and stuff, you know, because it was just Michigan versus Mississippi. Susie, who grew up in the mountains, and you just wear your jeans and they can have holes in them, moving to the suburbs of Detroit, where the church that I was a part of at that time before Detroit tanked, the county was the third richest in America. Those are huge, different cultural things. You need to understand this. Note to self, they're different from me because of the cultural influence that's on their life. Here's a third thing. Note to self. They're not like me for my good. They're not like me for my good. You've got to grasp this. Because most of the time, we're looking at each other's difference and we're getting frustrated. Because it's not going the way I want. It's not pleasurable to me. It's not helping me. That's not true. How is it for your good? 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So this this passage is when the Holy Spirit, he gives every single follower of Christ different specific gifts and different abilities. But why does he give you an ability? For the common good. So when someone is unique and gifted in a different way, Instead of that frustrating you because they want to do something different, you and I need to stop and go, wait, you're different than me for my good. I learned this super uh, really early on when I was fresh out uh, out of college. I was 22 years old, and I took on my first youth ministry position. Now, I don't know why in the world this guy ever hired me. I had no training. I had zero experience. I was 22, fresh out of college, actually majored in education, and I read two books on youth ministry. And I started. So you know what I thought? I thought I went in and I'm like, well, I got to do everything. And so God was so gracious to me. He gave me this girl, Jennifer Brum. And Jennifer was actually the only, because it was a small town in Ohio. She was the only other person who was my age and she was in our church. So we kind of connected and made a friendship and she decided that she would help me with the youth ministry. Well, this was hilarious, man. Jennifer is absolutely, completely different than me. And you know what was crazy? Everything I hated doing, she loved to do. And I wouldn't let her do them. Because I thought I was the one who was supposed to do it. 
I totally missed it. And then after three years of not knowing what I was doing, I went to Detroit to help start Kensington. And the lead pastor there finally opened my eyes to even what the scripture says. And you just realize, like, wait a second. Good leadership is when you just realize who you are and then you can see the giftedness in everybody else. So when I finally learned that principle, the people are actually different than me for my good. After a year and a half, I was able to hire somebody to help me. Guess who I hired? Jennifer Brom. <laughs> Immediately. Do you know why Jason, Jason Dunn, the guy who got up here, our new executive pastor, when we were switching executive pastors, uh, Mike Seifert, he was our tech guy for years here. And right before he was moving to Texas to start a new church and uh, to be a part of a church down in Texas, we had our last lunch together and he looked at me and he said, hey, Dave, he goes, when you hire this new executive pastor, just make sure he's completely different than you. <laughs> I'm an ENFP. You know what Jason is? ISTJ. <laughs> we are absolutely, completely different than each other. And we need to be. Because it is good, it is for our good that people are different than you. You need to start seeing that. But here's the other thing, and I think this is even more important. They're for me, they're not like me for my good. But I tell you, in marriage, in all of us, when you get super close or in a tight working relationship, it doesn't mean that it's easy, right? It is super hard, it is hard to connect your life and your patterns and your values and your habits and how you do with something and then get stuck with somebody who's completely different than you. It's hard, okay? But it's for your good. Look at this verse in Hebrews 12. It says, endure hardship as discipline, or that word can mean training. God is treating you as his children. They disciplined us. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Do you guys see that? He disciplines us for our good. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained up under it. Sorry, we had a little tef- technical difficulty. I just realized that's not up there. It's, it's in your program. It's, it's not written out, but it's the, the, the actual uh, verses there, okay? So let me just, since it wasn't up there and you couldn't follow it. Did you hear what he said, though? You have to endure hardship. When you go through hard things, you need to endure hardship as discipline, as training. And then he goes, it's actually for your good because God wants you to share in his holiness, No discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained up on it. Here's what I want to tell you. One of the greatest hardships that God will put you through is he'll connect you with people who aren't like you. One of the hardest things that God will do is he will connect you with people who aren't like you. This is so interesting. I got up this morning, and uh, one of my favorite things to read is uh, My Utmost for His Highest. Anybody anybody read this by Oswald Chambers? Uh, Can I just tell you, My Utmost for His Highest, if you're ever looking for a daily reading, you know, just to kind of inspire your faith, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. I love what he said this morning, (laughs) very apropos. He goes, when God calls you to himself, he actually calls you to be 
bread, living bread and, and wine. He, in other words, he wants to make you something for other people. And then he says this, Yet God can never make us into wine if we object to the fingers he chooses to use to crush us. We say, if God would only use his own fingers and make me broken bread and poured out wine in a special way, that'd be, that'd be perfect. But when he uses someone we dislike or some set of circumstances to which we said we would never submit to crush us, then we object. Yet we must never try to choose the place of our own martyrdom. If we are ever going to be made into wine, we will have to be crushed because you can't drink grapes. Grapes become wine only when they have been squeezed. I wonder what finger and thumb God has been using to squeeze you. Have you been as hard as a marble and escaped? (laughs) Isn't that a great picture? If you are not ripe yet, and if God had squeezed you anyway, the wine produced would have been remarkably bitter. To be a holy person, which means to just to be like God, means that the elements of our natural life experience the very presence of God as they providentially broken in his service. We have to be placed into God and brought into agreement with him before we can be broken bread in his hands. Stay right with God and let him do as he likes, and you will find that he is producing the kind of bread and wine that will benefit his other children. You guys, I want to say this as as sternly and as strongly and as clearly as I can. God loves you. And he so wants you to become everything that he created you to be. To share in his holiness, which means to share in the very nature of God, which is loving and gracious and merciful and kind. So listen to me. And so one of the things he will do is he will put people in your life who are not like you. It's one of the most gracious things he can do because it's helping you to die to yourself. Can you hear? Here's a note to self. People who aren't like me remind me that it's not about me. People who aren't like me give me a chance to not live for me. And this is the very thing, you guys, that Jesus is trying to set every human being from. What's messing up our world and what messes all of our relationships up is our selfish ambition. And so what do we do? So we only like to hang out with people who are like us. Because then I just get to do what I like to do, and this is what brings me pleasure. And he's like, yeah, but all you're doing is feeding yourself. And so I think that every one of us, there's a great book called Sacred Marriage, and he says, marriage is not meant to make you happy. It's meant to make you holy. Because when you get together with another person, they're not going to be like you. And every time they're not like you, you know what that gives you a chance to do? To give up yourself. And that's how we know what love is. 1 John 3.16 says this. This is how we know what love is. Okay, do you love your spouse? Do you love your kids? Do you want to love your coworkers? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Can I just tell you? No. Who likes to lay down your life? 
Who likes to give yourself up? We don't. And so you know what God does? He goes, okay, well, I'm going to give you somebody. I'm going to put you in a marriage with somebody who's not like you. I'm going to give you kids that are not like you. I'm going to put you in a workplace with people who aren't like you. And guess what? You're going to have a chance to give yourself up. And that's love. And you know what will happen? You'll actually be free from yourself. And then you know what will happen? You'll actually be like me. And then you love everybody who's not like you. Oh, and by the way, this is hard. And it's never pleasant at the time. So don't get this starry-eyed thing that, well, I'm just going to put my, I'll jump in with people who aren't like me. No, it'll be hard. But it will produce a harvest of righteousness. It's beautiful. Okay? So those are your three reminders. Note to self, three reminders. They aren't like you by God's design. They aren't like you because of cultural influence, and they're not like you for your own good. Okay? And then really quick, note to self, three things to do. What do we do with that then? What do we do with that? Romans 15, 5 and 6 says this. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement, listen to this, may the God who gives you, because I don't think it's up there, yeah, the God who gives you endurance and encouragement, listen, may he give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Jesus had. May God give you the same mindset, the same attitude of mind toward each other, toward the people who aren't like you, the same one that Jesus had. Okay? So what does that look like? There's three things, note to self, that you got to do. Here's the first one. Accept one another. Accept one another. Romans 15, 7 says, Accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You guys, I'm I'm telling you, it's crazy how powerful this is just to accept one another. You know how we know that? Because how many of you in here have experienced rejection? Okay? If you haven't experienced rejection, I doubt you've been a human. And here's the truth. Many of you, many of us in this room, are still crippled today because of the rejection that you received from your dad because you weren't good enough because he was never there because he told you that from your mom. Man, it was one of our guys shared at our Wednesday night thing in tears. He was just going along. And then when he got to the point when his dad left them, and left his family, the tears start rolling down his face. He's a man in his late 30s who still feels the pain of being rejected. For some of you, it was school. And you're sitting here going, I can't, I know the kid like totally bullied me on the playground. And somehow it's still stuck in you and you have walls to this day. <laughs> you still have walls to this day. You know, it's so funny. Before we started this, the uh, church today, we always pray. We always bring everybody together that's part of our team and we pray. And this morning, I just said, hey, here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to go and find somebody in the circle that you don't know and that's not like you. Guess what? What happens immediately in your side? Oh, God. Isn't that weird? Why? 
because we have been rejected, because we don't know if we're going to be accepted. We don't know if we're going to be validated. We don't know if we're worth it. So what do we do? Let's find the other people like me, because those people will actually validate me. Now, here's what, here's what you need to understand. Anything that is powerful, like rejection, is just as powerful on the other side. Nuclear power can destroy a city or give us all the power that we need, right? It's either way. Sexual, sex, sex is powerful, positively to join two people together or negatively. Money is powerful. In, in the hands of a generous person, they change the world. But a person who consumes money for themselves, it destroys. If you have, I don't know if we have any idea how powerful you're taking one move to accept somebody. You know, I, I think it's, I, I didn't even think about this, but I always think it's been so funny that anytime we do stand up and greet one another, I know that 90% of us go, God, I hate this. I hate this. Why do we hate, why do we hate turning to someone we don't know and going, good morning? What, what, wouldn't it be cool if instead we just said, man, here's someone I don't know. Here's someone who's maybe not like me. And what would we create even in this place? If we, everyone who walked in this room, we actually thought, I'm going to accept you. Man, why, why is it so hard to get married or to open yourself up to a friendship? Because, man, if you get married, the real you is going to be exposed. So what do we do? We cover ourselves up as much as we can, and then piece by piece, they come apart. We're like, ah! I shared this with you, man. I, when Susan and I, before we were ever engaged, or yeah, yeah, when we first started, I just like I was 33. I'm like, I don't want to play. The, I'm not playing the dating game. I'm not interested in that anymore. Do you want to? Can I pursue you towards marriage or not? She said yes. I said okay, cool. Um, <laughs> then let's just do it, right? Let's get it done. That's why they call me the faster pastor. You just, <laughs> just do it. Um, but no, no, but seriously, what was crazy, though, was we were sitting in a car, and I had secrets that I knew I would never tell my wife, right? Trevor and Abby are down here. They, they shared their story a couple weeks ago about being, finally being vulnerable with each other. And I remember there were things I was never going to share with my wife ever. You know why? Because I knew if she'd find out, she wouldn't accept me. And we're sitting in this car, and the Holy Spirit of God goes, tell her. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'll never forget, man. I don't know why. He must have just given me grace. But I'm like, well, if we're going to do this marriage thing, then let's see if we can do this or not. And I exposed my deepest secrets to that woman in that car. And she accepted me. Come on, man. Is there anything more powerful on the planet? I'm like, I got no. Yes! Yes, I'm fully known and fully loved. Come on. Accept one another as Christ accepted you. And I'm telling you, man, it will change everything. But then we got to go one more step further. Because then once you accept each other, the second thing that you do is you got to appreciate one another. You don't just accept, which is great. Man, I'm so glad you accept me. But now we got to appreciate one another. 
1 Corinthians 12 says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed all the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wants them to be. And then he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. (laughs) And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. See, what's he trying to say? You are one person, part of the body. This other part of the body is super important. And you can get to the point where, man, I appreciate you, right? So when you have something stuck in your eye, aren't you glad you have fingers who actually can go like this and actually pull it out? See, that's all he's trying to say here. And I just want to say, like this afternoon on the football field, right? So all you guys are all the football fans. Can you imagine if every guy was like, no, we're going to have a football team that's tough. We're going to have all 330-pound men out there. What would happen? You'd lose. No, no, no. We want fast, quick guys. Let's get all the guys who are only 6'1", 180 pounds and can run fast. You're going to lose. You know what's going to happen today? The 300-pound guy is going to knock some more people over so the 180-pound guy can run. And then they're going to come in the end zone and they're going to be just, and they're going to be, I'm so grateful for you. I'm glad that you're huge and knock people down. And I'm glad you can actually run because now we score touchdowns. We appreciate one another. This is huge. Say so have the same attitude of Jesus. Listen to this. God placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Can I ask you a question? Then what do you think Jesus' attitude is toward them? He loves it. We need to start appreciating. So here's the action step on that one. Think about this person that's in your mind. How are they different than me? And what's good in that? What's good in how they're different than me? And here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. Actually thank them. Find the thing that makes them so different than you and thank them. And here's the last thing. Once you appreciate someone, you can actually adore it. You can adore one another. Look at this verse. We already said it, but I I changed it. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. I don't know if it's going to be up there. So so listen to this. So David says, oh God, you created my inmost being. But here's here's what you need to think about the person you're sitting next to and that you work with. God, you created their inmost being. You knit them together in their mother's womb. I praise you, God, because they are fearfully and wonderfully made. You and I can actually look at people who are totally different than us and go, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I want to tell you, it takes time. Can I just ask you? If God knit that person together, formed their innermost being, what do you think his attitude towards them is? I think Jesus is looking at them and going, oh, so good. And you and I are looking at each other going, you are so weird. You are such a pain in the butt to be with. And I tell you, one of the things I learned early on, just to pray, then God, Give me your eyes. Give me your eyes to see my wife, to see my kids, to see my coworkers, 
the way that you see them. And if his spirit actually is in us, you know what? He can do that. And you can get to the point where you actually adore somebody's differences. And I want to tell you what, man. The power you possess when you accept someone, appreciate them, and adore them, you will change their life. You might heal somebody and set them off on a whole nother path. So let me just close with this. This is super important. Because there is a power to be able to love people not like you. The verse said, accept one another as Christ accepted you. Can I ask you a question? How did Jesus accept you? Were you like, Jesus, here I am. No, I mean, I I can tell you this, man. If any of you in this room have ever run into a holy God, the first thing that happens inside you is you fall on your knees because you realize, I'm nothing like you. I'm nothing like you. And it's scary. And you weep. And your sin is exposed. And you realize, I am so ugly. I'm so selfish. I'm so sinful. And then Romans 5 says this, you see at just the right time when you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You guys, you know why we're here? It's not just so we can love each other. That's great. You know why we're here? Because Jesus compared himself to you. (laughs) And he looked at you and he said, you know what? You were powerless. So Jesus was saying, you basically can do nothing for me. And then he looked at you and he said, and you're ungodly, which means you're never like me. Ever. And then he looks at us and says, you're still a sinner. In other words, he's going, and you always fall short, always fall short of my standard. And then he says, and that's just the right time for me to love you. You guys, our human love sees people that are different than us and it's going to be too hard, it's too frustrating, it's too uncomfortable, so we pull ourselves away. Jesus looked at us and says, you are so not like me. Just the right time. I'm diving in and I'll give my life for you. Can I just tell you something? When you realize in your heart of hearts that you don't deserve God's love, that he actually is the only one who can judge you, but he's the only one who chooses not to. That heals your heart. And once the gospel of receiving, of believing that Jesus took all of our sin, that he died for us to forgive us of all of our sin, no matter what you've done, then guess what? Then you can forgive other people. And once you realize he accepted you when you didn't deserve it, then you have a power to be able to accept each other. Have you ever known that? Ben, why don't you guys come on up? We're going to close with some worship. Ben, can I ask you a question? Have you ever known that type of love? Have you ever known the love of God that looks at you and says, because you may be sitting here today and just going, there's no way God could ever love me. I've done too many bad things. I'm hoping you, you hear today. He's saying, no, I know you have. I know you've fallen short. I know you're not like me. That's when I die for you that he would lay down his life for you. You are that valuable. See, because, again, the reason we don't want to be with other people is because we're trying to prove that we're valid. We're, we're valuable. And here's the truth. 
You are valuable. You, the one that God knit together, and he came to save you. And I'll tell you what, that spirit gets inside of you, and you'll start loving your spouse different. You'll start accepting other people because you know you're accepted. You'll start appreciating other people because you know you're appreciated. You'll start adoring other people because you know you're adored by God. So here's where we're going to Would you all just stand with me? And we're just going to say thank you, Jesus, that in Christ alone, in Christ alone, in Jesus alone, do I really know that I'm loved and accepted and appreciated and adored. And I just want to, I do want to offer invitation, Derek Murphy, our, our Life Together director, and, and, and Rachel and some other staff, are going to be back here in this corner. As you guys can see right here, we're actually going to do some baptisms in the second service today. And I just wanted to offer, if any of you today are just going, you know what? I need to know. I need to know that Jesus forgives me. I need to know that he accepts me in all of my brokenness and all of my sin. I need to know that I'm valuable to God. And if you would like to make a decision today to believe, to put your faith in what Jesus did for you, then he says, then you'll receive me. You'll receive my forgiveness. You'll receive my love. And you will know what it's like to be accepted as you are. And then change to be different from this day forward. So if you would like to receive, to make a decision to receive Christ today, please go right over here in this corner as we're worshiping with Derek and those guys. And the rest of us, let's worship. And let's celebrate this great God who loves us that way. All right, let's do it.